right, let's pray. How's that, how's that sound? We pray? Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for today and this time we've had together to worship you. It's been so sweet in your house today, God. And Lord, now as we open up your word, God, we pray, God, that you will bless your word, God, that you will speak to your people, Lord Jesus, and Lord God, that you'll set people free. Lord God, we know that you are real. We know that you loved us, God, so much that you sent your son. And we're thankful, Lord God, for this time during our Christmas season, Lord God, that we can look to you and we can feel your presence, Lord Jesus. And now, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would put our attention on your eyes and your ears, Lord God, so that we can know your truth. And God, your word says that your truth will set us free. Lord Jesus, we love you. In your name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. So how's everybody doing today? Good. All right. So today we are uh, in our second part of our series, on our Christmas series. And last week we looked at Christmas hope. And today we're looking at Christmas love, okay? And so if you have your Bibles with you, you can open up to Matthew 24, verse 12. And in that verse it says, sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. And Jesus is quoting this scripture. He's talking about the last days. He's talking about the times we are living in. And and how many of you guys know that it's a little bit cold today. Wasn't it cool to see some snow falling? Yeah, it, it, it was cool. But not only will it be cold in the earth, but people's love will grow cold. What that means is over time, people will become more and more selfish. They'll become more and more inward focused. They'll become more and more worried about themselves more than any other, any other people. And, and that's really what we're living in. That's the times we're living in. 1 John 4.12 says this, though. See, I love the Bible. I love God's word. How many guys love God's word today? Okay, there's about 50 of you. How many guys love God's word today? And so we had a, a great time of worship, but now we're diving into God's word. And God's word is a standard for us. It says in 1 John 4.12, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. So not only do we come on to church on Sundays to worship and love God, but we also love each other. And when we love each other, the Bible says that God's full expression comes. That means his presence comes, and he fills his church. Also in 1 John three sixteen, it says, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and our sisters. So this is what love really looks like. It's, it's not just saying I love you, but it's going that extra mile to care for our brothers and sisters. And so today we're going to learn about love, but we're going to learn about love in a little bit different way because it's easy just to say I love you. In fact, turn to the person next to you and just say I love you. Even if you don't feel like it today, <laughs> turn to the person on the other side and say I love you. You should, because you're not going to just live this life with the people around you. You're going to live for all eternity with the people that are around you. These are your brothers and your sisters. And so today, we're not just going to learn about love just saying we love you. We're going to learn that love is an action. 
And so our, our main text today is found in Luke 21. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke 21. And this is a, a passage where I really think speaks of love in the greatest measure, and that's giving. And so in Luke 21, 1 through 4, it says this, while Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them, for they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. And so today we're going to look at this passage and, and break it down for you guys. And this morning we look at this woman. She was, the Bible says she was poor and she was also a widow, okay? And back in those days, if you were a widow, that means your husband had passed away or gone on. And so widows, they didn't have a place to work. In fact, most of the time, women totally, totally were, were dependent on their husbands or totally dependent on a man, okay? There wasn't a chance for them to go get a job. There wasn't a chance for them to, to go um, to college and all the things that we can do today. And so this woman had no way to get any resources. And so she was poor and she was all alone. But the Bible says that she came and she gave two small coins. Okay, in other versions of the Bible, it might say that she gave what's called a mite, okay? And a mite is a portion of money back in the day, and it's kind of like this. I don't know how much money you make, but let me just explain to you what a mite was. A mite was kind of like just a little of nothing, okay? So it'd be kind of like this. If you were going to work every day, we'll just say you make $100 a day, and I don't know if you make $100 a day or not, but maybe that's your day's wage, okay? So back in the day, a day's wage was called a denarii, okay? And so a, a mite was 1% of a denarii. So let's just say you made $100. How, many, how much money would a mite be then if it was 1%? $1, okay? $1, 100 pennies, all right? And so maybe that's how it is when we come to church. We're just like scrambling to find one buck, you know? Can I just find $1 and you dig down deep into your pocket and you pull out a crumpled dollar and you throw it in, you know? Sometimes that's how it is on a Sunday morning. But this isn't how this woman did it. In fact, it said that she had two of these mites and she put both of them in, okay? So she was a giver. And God wants us to be what? Not only a giver, but he wants us to be a cheerful giver. And so we'll learn here in a really cool Christmas story. How many guys want to read some Christmas stories today? All right, there's about four of you. Is anybody excited for Christmas? Yes, it's like, it's like three weeks away. How many know that? Are you guys ready for it? It's three weeks away. And so let's get ready for it, all right? So we're going to read about two or three Christmas stories today. Matthew 2 is going to be our first one. Because right here in the Christmas story, we learn not only about love, but we learn about giving. Matthew 2, verse 1 it says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We, we saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. 
King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? Verse 5, in Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star had first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the, in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. So in this story, we find it's, it's a really amazing story. In fact, some of you might have put your Christmas tree up over the last couple of weeks, and you have three wise men, right? You, you, they have crowns on their head, and you put them on your tree, and you're like, wow, where did that come from? Well, that came right here from the Bible. And a lot of people think that maybe there was just three, but there was probably a multitude, a bunch of wise men. But the reason why we think there was three, because we see here they gave three gifts. So they didn't just come to church. They didn't just come to see Jesus. They come, came bringing something. And how many of you guys know that God doesn't want us just to come in his presence? He wants us to come ready to bring him something. You know, when we come to church, we should be excited to bring God some praise. Amen? There's about five of you with me. We should become ready to give God some praise. And I'm so glad we have Justin and Sarah and all these other people up here leading worship. But I'm going to tell you guys something. Jesus loves to hear your voice. He loves to hear your voice bringing him praise. But not only do we bring him praise, but God has given us gifts and talents and abilities. And we also have money, right? He's blessed us with money. We have money to buy presents. How much more do we have money to give to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? Amen? All right, I lost some of you now, all right? So when Pastor John talks about this year-end offering, we should get so excited because this offering is not just for stuff. It's for eternal work, amen? It's for kingdom work. It's for God to do amazing things. I don't know about you, but I could just use a couple of miracles. Could you use a couple of miracles? So we're believing that 2017 is going to be a year of miracles, that God is going to do amazing, miraculous things. And guess what? He wants to use you to do those miraculous things. And so that's what this offering is all about, so that we can move into the miraculous. We can move into the spirit. We can do the things that God is calling us to do. And so in the same way, we're encouraged to give by these three wise men. You know, I loved it, but before they even went into the house to see Jesus, the Bible says that they were filled with joy. 
How many of you guys could say, I could use some joy today? You know, I could use some joy. Really quick, let's just try something really quick. Because I think when we really want to spend time with Jesus and we really want him, what happens is not that we stir up joy within ourselves, but he gives us joy. Amen? He deposits joy within us. And I believe as these guys were coming to this house, they were deposited with joy. So they didn't just come with gifts, but God started giving them something even before they entered the room. So let's try something. In the, in, in the count of three, I just love yelling Jesus' name. I don't know why, but I like to get excited. I, I grew up playing sports, and I don't know if you got excited when you played sports or watched sports. But I get more excited about Jesus. I don't know about you, but I do. So really quick, on the count of three, let's just scream Jesus really loud. One, two, three, Jesus. Come on, let's give him some praise. Come on. Hallelujah. And so these people were filled with joy. And then it's interesting, they gave Jesus three gifts. And I believe the three gifts were really representative of who Jesus was going to become. It was almost like a prophetic word into Jesus' life. The first gift was gold. And I don't know if you guys know, but gold, it represents the king. It represents royalty. And it also represents the kingdom of heaven. Because the Bible says that even the streets will be paved with gold. Amen? If you do studies back in the day when Moses was building the tabernacle in the Old Testament, as they talked about building the tabernacle, over a hundred times the word gold is mentioned. So isn't it cool? When they came to church, they saw some gold. Amen? It was awesome. It was, an, it was a picture of the king of kings and lord of lords. So this wasn't just a baby lying there. It was the king of kings and lord of lords. Amen? Also, they gave them what was called frankincense. It's interesting, about a year ago, I didn't really know what frankincense was, but I was at uh, the religious supply store in town, and I, I found a bottle that said frankincense on it. And so I, I got some, and I found out that they used frankincense as a perfume or as anointing oil. And so sometimes when you come up to be prayed for, we'll just put a little oil on your head, and it has this great odor, and it fills the room. It's, it's really an awesome perfume. Well, they use this to anoint people. And so what this speaks of of Jesus is he wasn't just going to be king of kings and lord of lords, but he came with purpose and power to deliver God's will on earth, okay? And so he came to set people free, to heal people, to deliver people. And you know what? God says that you can do the same thing too, amen? He's given you the same power to do the same thing too. You know, on a Sunday... We have a lot of anointed people up here. We have people that sing anointed. We have people that deliver messages with God's anointing. But you know what I mean? A lot of you guys have anointing hand, anointed handshakes and anointed hugs because every time you do that, I can just feel the presence of God. In fact, someone was just praying for me over here, and they laid their hand on me. And I'm going to tell you, God's power was all over that dude's hand, okay? So you guys have the power, the anointing to do amazing things. And so did Jesus, okay? Jesus did some cool miracles like walk on water and bring sight to the blind. So I want to increase your faith. God wants to increase your faith that he wants to do miracles through you. How many of you believe that today, that he wants to do miracles through you? 
Amen. And the final thing they gave was a, a thing called myrrh, and this was also an anointing oil. But a lot of times this myrrh was used to anoint dead bodies. And so it was a picture of Jesus' purpose. His ultimate purpose was to come and to give up his life and to die for you and to die for me. And he had to do that because only he, that perfect lamb, could take away our sins. And so Jesus came, this, these three gifts are pictures of who Jesus was and what he was going to do on the earth. But they were all gifts, and they all had value. And so God wants us to give gifts. He wants us to be a giver. In fact, he teaches us that's all a part of his character, that God is a giver. And we know that because he gave his one and only son to die for us. You know, talking about giving, um, you know, I know there's probably a paradigm of everyone in the room, people that have been given all their lives or people that maybe have just started giving or people that are maybe just not ready to give yet. And I understand that. You know, I want to tell you today, God loves you just where you're at. He cares deeply just where you're at. And I don't want any of this message to condemn you or judge you. I want you just to see what God's best is for you. God wants to bless you. Amen. And so there's a guy um, that I've been studying recently. His name is Robert Morris. He has a really big church in, in Texas, in Dallas, Texas. And when he started ministry, uh, he had come out of a pretty wicked lifestyle, and God saved him. And then he started to travel. He didn't have a church yet. He started to travel. And um, I just want to plug real quick. At the beginning of the year, January 11th, we're going to have a class called The Blessed Life. And this class is going to meet every Wednesday night for about six weeks. And it teaches us how to give extravagantly. You know, God just doesn't want us to just be givers that we give a little bit. But God wants to pour his blessings out on us so we can pour his blessings out on other people. Amen. And so this guy, Robert Morris, his life has been all about preaching this message of living a blessed life and giving. And so... I've been studying up on him. I've been listening to the videos. I've been doing some reading. And as I was listening to these videos, I heard this story about Robert Morris, how he started in this message of giving. And so when he first started, uh, God spoke to him and he said, when you travel and go speak. Now, remember, he didn't have any, a church. He didn't have any other income. God said, I don't want you to ask for any money. If someone calls you and says, hey, how much does it you charge to come preach at our church? How much, how much will we need to pay for your expenses? He said, just say, it's free of charge. I'm just going to come because God wants me just to come and bring, bring his word. And so he's like, okay, God, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know how I'm going to take care of my family, but I'm going to trust you. And so he got a call from a pastor. He went to the church to go preach. And as he was going there, he was a little bit worried in his heart, just like all of us are, because it was kind of a long drive. And he was like, how am I even going to pay for gas, let alone, you know, everything else the rest of the month? That was what was on his heart. But he made a deal with God that he would do this, that he would just trust him. And so he got to the church and he preached the message. And afterwards, the pastor came up and he said, hey, we want to bless Robert for all that he did today and the message he bring, brought. He didn't ask for any money. And so we're going to take up a huge offering for him. So they took up a huge offering, and after they took up the offering, they counted it. They brought up a check, and he, the pastor handed Robert a check, and he said, this is for you, and this is one of the biggest offerings we ever take, took. 
And so he looked down at the check, and as he was looking at the check, he said, oh, my word, this is exactly the amount of money that I'm going to need to take care of me and my family for the rest of the month. And just as he was thinking that in his heart, he looked at the check, and he looked out way back in the audience, and he saw the missionary that had spoke before him, and God put it on his heart. Now I want you to take that check and sign it over to the missionary. And so he did. He took the check, and he signed it over to the missionary. He said, okay, God, I'm just going to trust you. And as he was walking out of the church that night, a bunch of people were leaving, and they said, hey, Robert, would you and your wife like to go to pizza with us? We're going out to pizza. And so he said, I guess I don't have any money, and I don't have any way to buy anything. So I guess instead of going hungry, we'll go to pizza with you guys. And so he went to pizza with them, and as they were sitting there, the gentleman that's sitting across from you said, hey, I saw that you got a check from the church. I would like to see that check. And Robert was like, oh, no, I don't. He was thinking in his mind. He's like, I don't know. I don't have that check anymore. What am I going to do? So he got up real quick, and he said, I think my wife has the check. And so he walks over by his wife, and he says, hey, honey, how do you like your pizza? Night's going good, you know, everything. And she's like, yeah. Just kind of making small talk because she didn't have the check. He had given it to the missionary. So he goes back over, sits down, and he said, so did you get the check? And Robert said, no, I actually left it in the car, <laughs> you know. So then he's like, you don't have the check, do you? And I, he said, no, I don't. And he didn't want to boast at all about that he'd given it to the missionary because he made a deal with God. I want my giving to be to Jesus, not to man. And so as he was saying that, this man opened up his jacket, put, pulled out another check, showed him the check, and the check was ten times the amount of the check that he had given to the missionary. Isn't that awesome? And he said, I'm going to tell you this. I wrote that check before I even came to church. So you see how God is in control and how God can take care of us and how we can trust God? Because how many know that it wasn't just that man that wrote the check to him? It's God that took care of Robert. And so he was teaching him in that day that I'm giving you this money. I'm showing you this way of giving because I want you to be a man who teaches people all over the world about how I want people to give. I want people to give extravagantly. So over the years, this man, Robert Morris, has given away his own house, not just once, but two times. He's given away his house. He's given away cars. He's given away thousands and thousands of dollars. But better than that, he's taught millions of people how God wants us to give. So isn't it awesome today that we know that God wants to bless us? He wants to use us to bless other people's lives. And he's going to do it, guys. He's going to do it. And if we don't want to, he's going to get our attention so that we will do it. Because guess what? He desperately wants to bless you. Amen? And so sometimes what happens is when things are going on, when love is growing cold, and when tough things are happening in the earth, God raises the standard. And so not only was God raising the standard in this woman who was a widow, but God's raising the standard in you. He's raising the standard in me. He's raising the standard in Robert Morris. So how many of you guys are ready to go a little deeper? How many of you guys are ready to be challenged even more? Because God doesn't want us to just be a giver. But the also thing that the Bible says that this woman did is it, it says that she gave, Jesus said, that she gave more than all the rest of them. Now, how does that make any sense? Here's people that were coming forward to give the offering, and they didn't just 
give, but they gave a lot of money. They were rich people putting money into the treasury. And here's this woman. She came basically and just gave what amounts to about $2. So how did she give more than the rest of them? Well, she gave more than the rest of them because she gave all that she had. She gave all that she had. I want to really encourage some people today. You know, being a Christian and following God isn't just for the elite or isn't just for people that have it all together or isn't just for people that have walked with God all their lives. But serving Jesus is for everybody. It's for everybody. And even the poorest of the poorest of the poor can serve Jesus. And I love that we are in downtown Peoria because I believe if we all just started to give, that miracles would begin to happen in our midst. Because guess what? Jesus looked at this woman's gift more than any of the other people's gifts. She gave more than the rest of them. You know, this also speaks of another awesome story in the Bible. It's found in Luke chapter 2, verse 8, and I'm going to read it to you. It's another, it's another awesome passage that you guys would probably remember. Verse 8 says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields near bar, guarding the flock's sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped in snugly in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined in a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there were the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. And so in this story, this is the story, the Christmas story, where the angels visited the shepherds at night. And I'm going to give you a little background on these angels, or on these shepherds. Shepherds were considered outcasts. And it's interesting that a lot of times they watched their sheep on the outskirts of town, and not only were they considered outcasts, but it's, it was kind of interesting. And as I was reading through the story that they were watching their sheep at night. So they had to work second shift. Anybody here second shift workers? Yeah, that's kind of a hard shift, isn't it? That A shift that may be not too desirable because when everybody else is home at night, you're at work, right? And so these are just normal guys. Normal guys and, and, and really guys that maybe are working, doing things that nobody else wants to do. How many guys know that uh, God loves to visit those type of people? He, he cares deeply about people in every place of life. In fact, he loves coming to people when they're struggling or going through a, a rough time. And, and I could just imagine these shepherds as thinking, Man, this really isn't my dream job. This, this really isn't uh, 
what I dreamed of doing with my life. But they were out there doing it anyway. And God showed up. These angels showed up. And so as they heard about Jesus, in fact, these angels, they proclaimed the good news. They said, Jesus is here. He's come. And so what they do? They took off and they ran to go see Jesus. But what did they find? They didn't find him in a mansion. They didn't find him in a beautiful house. They found him in a manger. And I don't know if you guys know what that is, but it's basically a, a trough where animals would eat out of. And so the king of kings and lord of lords was lying in a manger, a place not suitable for a king. He was born into tough things. And I don't know what you're going through today, but just like Pastor John preached about last week, there is hope in Jesus. There's hope in Jesus. In fact, today, I believe there's more than just hope because the love of Jesus wants to come and fill you afresh and anew. But sometimes I think it just takes us changing our attitudes or changing the way we think because the devil, just as Pastor John talked about earlier, he wants us to get us focused on everything but Jesus. He wants to get us focused on complaining. He wants to get us focused on not being excited. He wants to get us focused on being frustrated. And I don't know about you, but I've been there before. How many of you have ever been there before? Just been in a frustrating place. And instead of looking at all the little things that you don't have, what if we looked at all the things we do have? And what if we started to say, God, I want to thank you for my family. God, I want to thank you for my kids. God, I want to thank you for what you've done in my life. I want to thank you for healing me. I want to thank you for being my God. And if we started taking our complaints and moving them into praise, how many know that God will show up? And that's what happened. It says here that the shepherds went back to their flocks. They went back to work, and they were glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. See, they didn't just hear about Jesus, but they got to see him. They got to experience the gift that he was. And so they began to worship God, even in the midst of their struggles. And God was going to do mighty things. And even to this day, we're reading about these shepherds. You know, I don't know about you, but sometimes I need an attitude adjustment. Raise your hand if you're, you're with me sometimes. We just need an attitude adjustment. You know, I was, um, a couple weeks ago, I got the awesome opportunity to go uh, take my daughter to gymnastics. My daughter, Nina, goes to gymnastics, and she's a crazy person. She likes to just flip all over our house. I think that's why she has an afro, because God wants to protect her brain, you know? But, so I take her to gymnastics, and she's, you know, supposed to be listening to her teacher, and she's waving at me, and, hey, daddy, you know, and I'm like, do what you're supposed to be doing, you know. That's what I'm thinking. And so a couple of days later, uh, Nina's talking to my wife, Elizabeth, and she, she says this. She says, Mommy, I love when you take me to gymnastics. I, I love it when you take me to gymnastics because when I wave at you, you always wave back at me, you know. You always get excited when I, I wave at you. But the other day, Daddy took me to gymnastics, and I, he, I waved at him. And he just looked at me like I was a crazy person. And I was thinking, that girl needs an attitude adjustment, you know? But really, you know what? Nina was right on. She's right on because she was just being herself. 
She was just doing what she always does. She lights up a room. She brings joy wherever she is. She always has a smile on her face. And why wouldn't she just wave at her dad to get his attention? And you know what? I would tell Nina today, I wish she was in here, but I'd say, Nina, keep waving. Even when times are tough, keep waving your hands. Keep that smile on your face because that's bringing people closer to Jesus. And so what I want to encourage you today, when times are good, when times are bad, what should we do? Worship Jesus. What should we do? Give him praise. Because when we do, we bring glory to God. You know, recently... um, I, I do these things because I have three girls. You know, I wish that I could be like, hey, let's watch the Bears. You know, let's go watch some college football. But I take them to movies because that's what they like to do. And sometimes I take them to movies that are kind of for girls, okay? So last week, uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, my wife grew up in the 80s. And so she played with troll dolls, okay? I don't know if you know what those are, but they're these little dolls that have spiky hair, you know? And so this new movie came out called The Trolls, okay? And so I knew we would go to that movie, you know, because my wife loved it from back in the day. And I knew my kids would love it too. And so we all got excited to go see The Trolls. And I'm going to tell you that, tell you, God spoke to me through that movie. Because in that movie, these troll dolls, they brought happiness wherever they went. They brought joy wherever they went. They were filled with joy. They brought joy wherever they went. But people wanted that happiness, too. And I'm not going to give away the movie. But some bad things happened to these trolls. And one of the trolls had a bad thing happen to him when he was young. And so he was always angry. He was always frustrated. He was always mad. And because of that, he had little color in his body. It was, it was interesting. He was different than all the other trolls. But there came a point when the trolls were just going through a rough time. So now that all the colors went out of them and... They were all down. And in that moment, I believe this troll had an encounter with God. Now, I'm not going to say he did, but he realized that his friends, the ones that he loved, were in the same place that he was in. And so he didn't want them to be there. He didn't want them to experience this frustration and this depression. He wanted them to rise above that. So what did he do? He started to sing. So really quick, let's see a clip of the troll's. You with the sad eyes Don't be discouraged Oh, I realize It's hard to take courage In a world full of people You can lose sight of it all The darkness inside you can make you feel so small And I see your true color shining through All right you got to go see the rest of the movie, okay, to get the rest of it. But as you can see, every, every color started to come back as they began to sing. And he began to proclaim. I wish I could sing. I see your true colors. I wish I could sing it. But, but um, amen. <laughs> but here, 
this widow, we learn that she gave more. And I believe that all of us can give more. We, we can give more than we're given right now. And when we begin to give God's praise and we begin to put him first, we'll see him do amazing things. All right, you guys with me for one last point? All right, we got five, so just five, stay with me, all right? All right, number three. Number three is that she gave everything she had. This widow, she gave everything she had. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read one last story. It's found in Matthew 2, 21 through 40. It says here, eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus. They gave him, he was given that name by the angel even before he was conceived. Then it was time for their purification offering as required by the law of Moses. After the birth of a child, so his parents took them to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says, if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required to the law of the Lord, either a pair of tur turtle doves or two young pigeons. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was a righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him, and he had revealed to him that he would not die until he'd seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace, as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby, baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many's hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your, soul, your very soul. Verse 36, Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phineal from the tribe of Asher and was very old. Her husband died, then they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple but stayed there day and night, worshiping God and fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began to praise God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. When Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements of the law of the Lord, they returned home to Nazareth and Galilee. There the child grew up healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was on him. And so this woman gave up everything. And in this story, we find out that what everything looks like. You know, the first, first people that gave up everything were Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph were called to raise Jesus. Now just think about this. They were called to raise God. I don't know about you. That sounds like a tough job. And you know what? At the beginning, they were kind of scared to do it. And so maybe right here we learn from them to give up everything means to do some things maybe we don't want to do. We're not too excited about. But when God speaks to us, we just answer the call. Amen? Secondly, we learn about a man named Simeon. And Simeon, his own goal in life was to see the Messiah. In fact, the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, you will not die until you get to see the Messiah, Jesus. And so his one goal in life was to see Jesus. 
And then we learn about Anna. Anna never left the temple, but she worshiped and fasted day and night. Just going to want to give a real plug for this. You know, God wants us to have discipline, spiritual discipline in our lives. And what better to start the year off than to proclaim God's word by reading it. You know, it's going to be an awesome thing for us to, to do day and night reading God's word. I don't know of any other church that's doing that. How many of you guys are excited to do that, to read God through God's word from Genesis to Revelation? So I want to encourage you guys to sign up to be a part of Proclaim. So here was three, four people that God raised up to do extraordinary things. They gave up everything. Mary and Joseph, they did something they didn't really want to do. Simeon, waited on God. His one goal in life was to see Jesus. And then we have Anna, who had discipline in her life, and she served God day and night by fasting and praying. How many guys know, how many, how many know that God wants to live this same way? You know, I've been blessed over the last six years. I've lived in Peoria now seven years, and over the last six years of my life, I've been a Peoria Lions fan. Anybody here with me is a Peoria Lions fan? So I don't know if you know about Peoria Central, but they are the state champion football team. Amen? They, we have the best football team in the state right here in Peoria. And so I've had the privilege over the last six years to watch this team. And I'm going to tell you guys something. A lot of times I would go to the game and I'd be frustrated because I'm like, what is this coach doing does he know what he's doing? Anybody ever been there before when you're thinking, I can do a better job than they're doing, you know? And so I've thought about that. And then I read this article about Tim Thornton and how he's worked with these young boys over the last few years. And he's trained them to be disciplined. He's trained them to have goals. And he's trained them to do things that maybe they didn't want to do. You know, and because of that, because of doing that, they won a state title. They had great success. And so I think it's kind of funny that a high school football team could be doing what God wants the church to do. <laughs> because these boys got together and they loved each other. They had a common goal and they achieved it. But they did it because they loved each other and they became a family. And God wants us to be that same kind of family. He wants us to give everything we have, not just for him, but for others. You know, and to me, we have a greater example than Coach Thornton. Our coach, his name is Jesus. And I want to read to you what Jesus did for us. So they took Jesus away. Carrying the cross by himself, he went to the place called the, the place of the skull in Hebrew, Golgotha. There they nailed him to the cross. Two others were crucified with him, one on the each either other side with Jesus between them and Pilate posted a sign on the cross that read Jesus of Nazareth the king of the Jews the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city and the sign was written in Hebrew Latin and Greek so that many people could read it then the leading priests objected and said to Pilate change it from king of the Jews and he said to I am king of the Jews but Pilate replied, no, what I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they divided his clothes among the four of them. They also took his robe, but it was seamless, woven in one place from top to bottom. So they said, rather than tearing it apart, 
Let's throw a dice for it. This fulfilled the scripture that says, they divided my garments among themselves and threw dice for my clothing. So that is what they did. Standing near the cross was Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, dear woman, here is your son. And he said to the disciple, here is your mother. And from then on, the disciple took her into his home. Verse 28. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill the scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it and put it on hyssop branch and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It was the day of preparation, and the Jewish leaders didn't want the bodies hanging there the next day, which was the Sabbath, and a very special Sabbath because it was the Passover week. So they asked Peter, they asked Pilate to hasten their deaths by ordering that their legs be broken. Then their bodies could be taken down. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the two men crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead, so they didn't want to break his legs. One of the soldiers, however, pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water flowed out. This report is from an eyewitness giving an accurate account. He speaks the truth so that you also may be continue to believe this these things happen in fulfillment of the scriptures that say not one of his bones will be broken and they will look on him on the on the one they pierced and so today i asked um, the guys to to get a picture of jesus and we're going to put that on the screen it's not a pretty picture but it's a picture of our king it's a picture of the one that truly loved It's the picture of a man who not only gave, but he gave more, and eventually he gave up everything. And so this is the way God wants us to love. So here today, as we close our service, just three weeks before Christmas, we get to celebrate his birth. But in that, we're not just celebrating his birth, but we're celebrating what Jesus has done for us. And what I believe God's calling us to do is to be like this widow that we read about 2,000 years later that God looked on her as she was giving these gifts, just two little coins, but it moved Jesus' heart in such a way that he spoke about her and he shined the love of God on her. I I believe the glory of God came on that woman today because he said, this is how I want my people to give. She, She was a standard in the midst of a troubled time And I believe God's raising up that standard again in his church. And so today, if you're here and you're like, Pastor Joe, I want to live like that. I want to be a person that not only gives, I want to give more, and I want to give up everything. Because when we leave here today, we're going to be a standard. A standard at home, a standard at work, a standard at school. God wants to use us to touch many people who desperately need Jesus. So I'm going to ask you to get today, if you're here and you're like, I'm, I'm feeling that God wants me to be this type of standard, I want you to just stand to your feet and I'm going to pray for you today. Because God's looking for men and women that will live differently than everybody else. And the thing as I was preparing this message, I thought about this, that, you know what, Jesus is always watching us 
You know, back in the day, they didn't just pass offering buckets around. They, they came forward. <laughs> they, they made a move. What they did, they, they didn't just do to God, but they did to the world. And so today, as you stand, or maybe as you sit, Jesus knows. He knows your heart, and he loves you right where you're at. And he's excited to speak to you, and he's excited to show you his love. And so as we're standing today, you're not standing for me, and you're not standing for the church, but you're standing for the King of kings and Lord of lords. Let's pray. Father, today I thank you so much for your word today. And Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, that your word is powerful, Lord. And Lord Jesus, I thank you for your example through this widow and eventually your example on the cross, Lord Jesus. And Lord, I, I thank you for these people that are being moved by your spirit, God, today to stand to their feet, God. And Lord Jesus, I pray in this moment, God, you would give them a vision, Lord, for their life. You'd give them a, a vision for the people that you want them to touch and bless and help, Lord Jesus. And Father God, I pray that you would help them today by your spirit, God, that you would pour it out today afresh and anew on them because it's not going to be easy to be a standard. It's not going to be easy to live differently, Lord Jesus. But Lord, you love these people and you believe in them, God. You believed in them so much that you came to this world to die for them. But you didn't just stay dead, God came to life three days later. And so I thank you, Jesus, that you are alive. You're alive and you're living today. And I thank you today, God, that you want to use your church to bring you glory. Jesus, we love you and we give you praise. In your name we pray and everybody said, amen. Come on, let's give God a hand.